Nancy, you didn't want to smile. Mm. So good morning, good morning, everybody. All right, I'm Pastor Marshall. I'm glad you're here, and we're in part two of our series called Irresistible. Everybody say irresistible. Do you want your faith to be irresistible? If you do, say amen. So in this series, I want to I want to help us do one thing. I want to help us to represent our faith to the world. I want to help us represent our faith to the world. To represent something, to represent it, what you do is you display it again for further consideration. So I want us to display our faith again for consideration for others. Um, so when we fake, when we make others irresistible, when we make our faith irresistible to others by representing it, God gets the glory in our lives. Um, but before we do that, I have a question. How many of you have ever um, been asked a question on the spot and it kind of threw you off? You know, I asked a question on the spot and you kind of choked up a little bit. Um, well, this week we were in Cincinnati at our national convention and, um, and I was talking to a gentleman in the booth. We were working a booth and talking about our, our ministry and, and things were going well. But um, when we're in Nashville, it's, it's not really just a time to chill. So we're, we're up late talking to couples and we're up um, just doing all kinds of different stuff. And so all week I've been up late, been up late sharing. There's one particular day near the end. This gentleman came up to me, and he was asking about the church, and he was all excited and everything, and, and uh, I was talking to him about the church, and then he asked me a simple question about the ministry. I don't even remember what it is, and I couldn't even remember what he had. I mean, it was like asking me the name, and I, my, the name went blank. I was so tired. I was so tired, and uh, so he laughs, and he says, well, you know, don't worry. That, that happens to me all the time. You know, it, it, it happens as you get older. And I was like, no, dude, because <laughs> he was old, old. And I'm like, don't put me in that category. <laughs> don't worry, it happens to all of us. And I, so I was like, no, no, I'm just tired. I'm just tired. And so um, in our text this morning, Jesus puts us on the spot. He puts us on the spot where he puts his disciples when he asks a critical question, a couple of questions, actually. And, and, and their response is interesting. So that's where we're going this morning. All right. The reality of the church today is that the church is more interesting than ever. The church in general is more interesting than ever. I mean, we got all kind of lights. Churches have coffee. Churches are casual. Some are a little traditional still. Um, There's all kind of great people in the church. They smell good, look good. You're on your best behavior. We have all kind of programs and we do different things. We put stuff on the screens for everybody. Church is different. It's different than grandma's day. When we go in the church and had the little funeral fans and the preacher, be like, ah, I told you to work. Well, what, did he, what did he say? Church is more interesting than ever. However, the Barna Research Group and the Pew studies that are out there, they say that fewer people are interested in church. It's more interesting. Why, why is that? I, 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 think, I think church... I would submit to you that it has something to do with us. It has something to do with us. People don't need to come and see a light show. People don't need to come and see some kind of dramatic play to hear God's word. They they don't need that. But when they interact with us, 
when they interact with us. And I'm not talking about just in the church building. I'm talking about out there. But people want to know, people want to know, that is, is it real to you? Is, is it real to you? Because everybody's going through something. So it may be minor. It, you might have just left something. But everybody's going through something. And they want to know, is church real? Is it authentic enough for me to convert my life over to it? Because somebody has known somebody who's heard somebody say, oh, man, it's not worth it. I think it has something to do with us. Maybe it's because, maybe it's because we have gotten tired. Church. And, and we're not we're not doing our, our part to read the read the word and stay inspired. We're not doing our part to pray, to be encouraged, and to and, and to seek God's wisdom to know what to do. Maybe it's something to do with us that makes church see fewer people interested in lasting in their faith walk. So Matthew points us to a place where Jesus takes his disciples to a, a spot to rest. It's a beautiful spot. It's a place called Caesarea Philippi, and we'll go there in a minute. I want you to see that. Um, he, go, he takes them to this place, and this place is, is, um, is adorned with the most beautiful foliage around the building and, and white marble um, um, statues and everything, but they're idols. They have, it has this nice waterfall that cascades down. It's a, it's a nice resting place. It's a quiet place. It's a beautiful place. And he takes these disciples there to rest because they're tired. And he asks them two questions. He puts them on the spot. Can I put you on the spot this morning? I want to ask you two questions. Would you look with me in Matthew 16, 13 through 16? Matthew 16, it'll be on the screen. The Bible says, your Bible says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? This was the title, the Son of Man. This was the title that he used for himself. Jesus preferred to call himself the Son of Man. He wanted to relate to the people. He knew he, come from, he, knew he came from God. But he said, who, do, who does people say? Amy, who does people say? Who does people say the Son of Man is? That's like me saying, um, Carmen, who, who does people say the preacher is? Jesus used this favorite title. And verse 14 says, well, 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 they replied. Some, some say, some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. And others say Jeremiah. And, and, and another one says, you're one of the other prophets. Verse 15. Then he asked them, but, but, but. But who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter, you know, he, he, he's, the, he's the one they called, they gave the nickname the DL because he was the distinguished loudmouth. Simon Peter said, you know, first they said, they said, everybody said, oh, you're this, you're that, you're this, you're that. But Simon Peter is the first one to say, he said, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. You're the Messiah, you're the anointed one. And that was correct. So Jesus puts his disciples on the spot with a little test this morning. I, I don't like tests. I don't know how many of you like tests. How many of you like tests? Let me ask. Raise your hand if you like tests. I don't like tests. Those that like tests, y'all are kind of weird. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you're brilliant, actually. I, I, I don't like tests. I do okay with tests, but I don't really like tests. Because tests, you know, stress you out. You know, 
Stress tests usually mean that something great is at stake, and so you got to do well on it. I, I really don't like tests. So after months of preaching and people rejecting Jesus and, and, and with the cross in view, the cross was close. Jesus was at the end of his ministry, and he wanted to rein his disciples in. He didn't have a whole lot of time to waste. So he takes them to this place of rest, but it was also a place of worship, idol worship. And he's bold enough to bring, to bring them in and ask them two questions. The first one was a warm-up. The second one was the real deal. Oh, oh, oh y'all going to wake me up this morning. Can I put you on the spot and give you my subject? This is my subject. This is my subject. Who is he to you? If we want to be irresistible, if our faith is to be irresistible, we have to answer that question. Who is Jesus really to me? Who is he to you? That's going to tell the tale. And, and that's going to answer so many questions in our lives, why we struggle or why we succeed. Who is he to me? Man. So in the context of where we're going today, I just want to give you a simple message. It's not it's not elaborate in my oratory uh, uh, speech or anything like that. It's a simple message, Elmer. It's a simple one. Jesus takes his guys to Caesarea Philippi. They're on a retreat. Caesarea Philippi, like I said, was a beautiful place, but it was known for its pan idol worship. The God of Pan. This was the God of fertility. And so I thought it was interesting. I'm like, Jesus, why would you take these, these guys there? Something can be said for that. They need rest, but yet they go to Philippi. Can, can we find peace in the midst of other distractions? When, when, when people rather prefer what you have to offer more than So, so they're in Philippi, it's a beautiful place, but these people are worshiping other gods, and there's this God of fertility over there, and, and, and it's a big statue, and, it, and, and they, they see it. But Jesus is asking, who, who do you say I am? And he's asking amidst the competition. Jesus isn't threatened. <laughs> we all need times, we all need times of focus. And times to recoup and, and to rest. But we shouldn't just take off somebody to do it. Throwing stones at the pastor. We all do. We all do. But I need you to see something. Because when we're tired, church, we forget what's at stake. That we forget. There's a whole lot at stake. Even when I'm tired, as the guy was asking me the question, it was a simple question. I should have known the answer. Um, and yet my mind went blank, and I'm thinking, oh, I'm just tired. And he's like, well, you're getting old like me. No, dude, no, no, no. I'm just tired. And I told Tiffany, it bothered me so much that I thought, I wonder how many people live their lives like that. They're tired, and so therefore they don't know what to say when they're supposed to say it. They don't know what to do when they're supposed to do it. And at all, at the root of the problem, at the root of the problem, they don't really understand who Jesus is to them. Mm, mm, mm. 
need you to understand what's at stake. Pastor, what's at stake? Even when you're tired, like I am this morning. What's at stake is your children, 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 future faith. The faith of the generations to come. That's why it's important that we be irresistible to others that don't know Jesus. That's why it's important that people don't just resist us and they resist God because they see our bad attitudes. They see our, our you know what, I'm just, I haven't had my coffee yet, so you know, I'm just going to give you Marshall instead of the Jesus and Marshall. Um, I know I need my coffee, but I'm always thinking, what's at stake? Church, we need to be thinking what's at stake. So if we can show them verse 18, I want you to see for yourself, what's at stake? Um, Jesus said, upon this rock, as he was talking to them, after he asked these two questions, he said, in verse 18, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell should not prevail against it. Jesus was talking about the promise, and what the promise was is that he was predicting you and me to come. That excited me when I looked at the text. Jesus was pretty, he said, no matter what you go through, Steve, disciples, no matter how much dirt is in your sandals and how much people say stuff about you, I'm going to die one day because it goes on in a passage in Matthew 16. He goes on to talk about his death at the end of chapter 16. No matter what's going on, Jesus predicts you and your children, children, to come to the faith. And that's, and that's good news. That's good news. So, so Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi was a, was a beautiful place of rest, known for its idol worship. So why would God, I'm back to this, why would God bring his disciples, why would Jesus bring his dudes to a place of idol worship? Because he's not threatened. Maybe, maybe, not, no longer, not only is he not threatened, maybe he also isn't threatened by his ability to make his words come back without fulfilling what he said and sent them out to do. Maybe God doesn't question his ability. He doesn't even question his word. But the question is, can you keep yours? If our faith is going to be irresistible, there are two things we should be aware of, what's going on around us and what's going on within us. What's going on around us, with the, around us, the need for Christ is everywhere. You just have to open your eyes to see it. There's a beautiful book, one of my early studies I did way, 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 way back. Um, was called Experiencing God. Uh, and, it, and, it, and what it did is it showed me how to, how to look for God in everything I'm doing on a regular basis, on a normal day-to-day basis. It's a great book study if you, if you want to do a book study on something. So around us, the need for Christ is everywhere, everywhere. Within us, God builds his reputation as he builds the church. He builds his reputation off of you, on your back and my back. What's going around us, what's going on around us is the first question that, that on the floor. That, that's the first question we must ask. Who do people say that I am? Who do people say that I am? In other words, what's the word on the street, y'all? Oh, Pastor, we don't want to be on the street there but you are out there what's the word on the street and 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 when he asked the question he's he's asking them to give them what are people saying 
What, what, are you, what are you really hearing? What are you really feeling? What, what are they doing out there? What did they say about me, Steve? What did they say? And I can imagine they were nervous when they gave the four responses they did. You know, John the Baptist, this and that. It, it, it was kind of like them, them saying, you know, man, he's really putting us on the spot. You know, what are the people saying? You know, I, I, I can see me in the back. You know, as, as they're talking, I'm kind of moving to the back. But some, some like, like probably like Tiffany, because she's direct and bold. You know, some, some are saying, well, you know, they say on the gram, on Instagram, that Jesus, you're kind of popular. And, and maybe, maybe some are saying on Twitter, on, on, on Facebook, you know, Jesus, I've seen people worshiping you. And, and, and some say that, you know, they, they kind of believe, but they're not really sure. And then some, some, some say, you know, probably from the back of the room, the, the, the back, you know, the, well, well, Jesus, I don't know. Maybe, maybe um, what they said on the meet in the media is true on CNN and Fox. That you're so they gave four popular answers. I'm just trying to modernize it for y'all today. And I imagine they were nervous when Jesus asked them this, because you're telling him something he doesn't want to hear, but he's wanting you to be aware of what's going on around you. That's important. It's important to know where people are at church if we're going to meet their needs. So today the word on the street may look something like this. The word on the street may look like some like you, Jesus, but they're just too busy for you. Others don't understand you, Jesus, but they believe that you're a good idea. And some others may say that there's, there's more than one way to heaven, Jesus, and you're just one of them. And, and, and some, Jesus, you know, some, some really don't even believe you. Although they saw all the stuff that you did. In Caesarea Philippi, Jesus brings his disciples to this retreat place where the God of Pan is worshipped, the God of fertility. And he's talking, that's false, untrue. And yet he's not threatened. And I thought, man, isn't it amazing? In our dark world that we live in today, God also gives us the choice to choose what we will worship. What do they say? What do they say? Who do they say I am? And I imagine Jesus is probably just looking around. Today, he gives us a choice. And we're free to choose to do what we want. But we have to choose this day who we will serve. Yeah. But there's a second question that we have to give account of. And then we'll be done. The second question Jesus is asking you today. Who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? When I, was, when I was looking at this, I was like, how can I see this? And, and God put in my heart, Marshall, tell them that they answer the question. Before you give this to them on Sunday, they're answering this, quest, they're answering this question but how, by how they believe. When your money's tight, you're answering the question on if you trust him or not. 
When you have problems in your marriage, you're answering the question whether you trust him and believe on him, whether you can hold and count on him or whether you blame him. When, 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 when you don't know and everybody else walks out of your life and when you have the scars as we saw Toby Mac singing about this morning because scars come with living, when the scars come, nobody's excused from scars. I have plenty of scars. How we believe and how we live will choose will, will give us the answers to the question, who do you say I am? Church, our God must be more than a historical idea. Because there are, there are things we want to do that we shouldn't do. Amen? But he's got to be more than a historical idea. Because there are things we want to say that we shouldn't say. There are things <clears throat> that we want to feel, that we, that we do feel at times, that we shouldn't feel. So our Bible says also that what, what's going on within us, greater is he that is within me. So he's got to be better than just a historical idea. He's got to be better than just a good idea. God is greater because greater is he that is in me. So remember this promise. Jesus said he would build his church. Church, this is the first time that the word church was used in scripture. And, and, and the church doesn't mean church, the building or church, the people. It means the assembly. So Jesus is in fact saying in verse 18 that this rock I will build my assembly and what we started to do here is to build his assembly to build his assembly before we get our building build his assembly of irresistible people what do you mean pastor I mean when people see you they don't see you when they see me they don't see a preacher they don't see Marshall they see a believer first and foremost because I believe. Mm. He remembers his promise. Remember his promise. And he says that nothing will prevail against the assembly, the church. That means there's nothing more powerful than your victory. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing more powerful. When it talks about the gates of Hades, I'm just for teaching right now real quick. When it talks about the gate of Hades, that, there, there was a statue that symbolized the gate of Hades. It, it, symbol, it symbolized death. And it says, nothing's going to kill you. He's saying, nothing's going to kill the church. Nothing's going to kill the assembly. The gates of Hades will not prevail against it. There's a lot of scholarship on that. But what it really, really means is there will be no death in you. Nothing will stop you. Victory is yours. Because of Jesus that's going on inside of you. I said there's two things you need to be aware of, what's going on around you and what's going on within you. Within you, there's a new process. There's a new pro- You are not the same that you used to be. There's a new process. There's a, there's a new beginning inside of us. We have to be reminded, no matter what we're facing, there's something new going on inside of me. This, I'm, I'm being regenera- regenerated. Oh my gosh. I'm not the same. I just got to call out his name. the Savior. Before he 
leave here today, you have to decide, as I have decided, who Jesus to you. Really. Who is Jesus to you? Really. For me, I want you to hear it from my lips. For me, God, Jesus is God. Jesus is everything. He's everything I want to be and everywhere I want to be. Jesus is all I ever want. see something, there's something about you or whatever, and they talk about that kind of stuff, then I know they see him. I don't want you to see me. Jesus is everything to me. So we went to the national convention, national convention, and I'm closing with this. We went to the national convention. We were singing, and, and then I noticed something happened. Um, uh, in the midst of our singing, while hands were raised, and while, while uh, people were looking around, some had the mind even on other things. A gentleman stood up and he reminded us of who God is. And I said, God, you, you just confirmed my message. He reminded us of who God is. And so I want to close with a reminder. I want to give you a reminder of who God is. And maybe, and maybe you will, uh, maybe you will see. God is more massive than our wildest imagination, bigger than the biggest words we have to describe him, and he's doing good today. He's sustaining galaxies, holding every star in place, stewarding the seeming chaotic events of earth to his conclusion within his great story. God is constant. He blinks and a lifetime comes and goes. To him, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. All of human history could be written on his fingernail with plenty of room left over for more. He has no dilemmas, no counselors, no shortages, no rivals, no fears, no cracks, and no worries. He is self-existent. He's self-contained, self-perpetuated, self-powered, self-aware. In other words, he's God and he knows it. He's timeless, ageless, changeless, always. After an eternity of being God, he still shows no sign of wear and tear. He has no needs. His accounts are in the black. He's the owner, not to mention the creator of all the world's worth and treasure. He made the gold and the silver and the trees that we print our money on. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills and the hills that the cows are standing on. He holds the planets. He holds the patents on the skies above, not to mention the earth and the seas, their depths below, the breeze, the colors of the sunset, and every flowering thing. His purposes are a sure thing. They are all his invention, his design, 
and his idea. God does whatever he wants. There's no stopping him, no containing him, no refuting him, no cutting him off at the pass, no short-circuiting his agenda. God is in control. He sends forth lightning from a storehouse. He breathes out the wind. He waters the earth. He rises up rulers. He directs the course of the nations. He births life and he ordains death. And in the midst of it all, he still has time to be intimately acquainted with everyday affairs of everyone on this planet. God knows everything about everything and everyone. His eyes race back and forth across, across the cosmos faster than we can scan the words on this page. There is not a bird flying through the air or perched on a branch that has escaped his field of vision. He can start with Adam and he can name every man, woman, and child that has ever lived, describing every detail about them. To him, pitch blackness and midday are one and the same. Nothing is hidden from him. He wrestles with no mysteries. He sees clearly and he comprehends all that he sees. He's never known what it's like to have a teacher, a role model, an advisor, a therapist, a loan officer, an adjuster, or a doctor. God's rule and reign are unrivaled in history and in eternity. He sits on the everlasting throne. His kingdom has no end. False gods abound, but he alone made the heavens and the earth. God has never feared a power struggle or a hostile takeover. He doesn't have to watch his back. He has no equal. He has no peer, no competition. And it makes perfect sense today that his name should be I Am. that question
as you're still bowing and as you're listening online, something I found out this week is that we're either influenced by society or the Savior. But God is not threatened. He's got you in control. He's got the world in control. So maybe today you decide <clears throat> there's someone here who wants to decide to choose Jesus. If that's you, I want you to just repeat this prayer, this prayer with me. God, I've decided to follow you, to turn to you, and Lord, to believe in you. I'm coming to you with this decision just as I am. Lord, I'm asking you to save me, cleanse me, direct me from this day forward. 